I'm joined by my co-host Matt Babbage, and tonight we have Aditya Foldiore on the program to talk about a dynasty startup that is currently going on. Isn't that right, Matt? Yes, sir. We have the Dynasty Roundtable Startup League. It's been quite the eventful startup draft thus far, even though we're less than five rounds in and, and we've been going for about a week now. So, you know, slow and steady wins the race as the old tale goes, but there's a lot to discuss even through the last five rounds or even through the first five rounds. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good draft so far. And we have a lot to talk about. I think I'll kick this over to uh, Matt and Aditya so they can pull this apart from every different angle. Uh, let's start the show by breaking down some of those moves that were made in the dynasty startup draft that we're doing. And uh, I did something I traded away my first, not just my first, but I traded away my first, my second and my third round pick to get multiple picks in the future and multiple picks later on in the startup. So Aditya, what do you, what do you, what do you make of all that? Yeah, I saw you make that first trade, getting rid of your first round pick. I was like, all right, uh, we'll see what Seth's strategy is here. And then you got rid of your second round pick and then your third round pick. So it was, it was quite the interesting strategy to watch from the sidelines, but I think, um, it's a strategy where now you have a ton of rookie draft picks for next season, and um, you finally entered the draft in the fourth round, so you can still get some good players in those um, outside of those top three rounds, but now you pretty much own the rookie draft for 2024, so you'll you'll definitely have a lot of people probably hitting up your sleeper DMs for trading up into that round, and then you'll have you'll have quite the grasp on that draft. I hope no one does. And here's why. Because we're not we're not talking about the fact that that he just completely obliterated the market for future first. I mean, within I don't even know if the clock had started yet. And this man traded a first for a fourth round startup pick and a and a or sorry, his 112 for a fourth round startup pick and a 2024 first. And then went around and sold his 201 for another 2024 first a six-round startup, a 17th-round startup, and a 2024 third. And then immediately, so Maddie Kiwum and I were having a conversation around the 107, and then that first trade went down. And then he hits my DMs. He goes, so what do you think about something like Seth's trade? And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously I need I need more than a fourth-round startup pick and a 2024 first you know, with the opportunity cost of being able to take a top seven or eight quarterback at the at the top of the draft. And he immediately was like, yeah, I don't know if I can, I can't spring for that much already. So it's just interesting how within 30 seconds, Seth, and I don't know whether to be mad or impressed or both, but you just completely obliterated the market for 2024 first. So congrats. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you put it in the trade analyzer on playerprofiler.com, it's an interesting thing that you find, you know, like it's interesting. Uh, let me, let me make sure I've got this right. Okay. Let me just make sure. It's basically dead even. It's basically a dead even trade in our trade analyzer. So it's fair. You know, I offer fair trades. I'm a man of the people, right? I I, I don't typically offer a trade unless it's pretty close in that trade analyzer. Um, so I don't know. I felt good about it. I think it definitely sets me down a path. It gives me flexibility. I like to do I like to trade back just because of the flexibility that it gives me. Because you you Matt and I made another deal later on where I traded up and got a cornerstone piece of piece that I thought's a cornerstone piece in a two point per tight end format. Like we're playing in TJ Hawkinson. So I think that's a good pivot over to talk about, you know, what Matt's doing in this startup. All right. So Matt takes Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence. Now, Aditya, what do you, what do you make of this move? Now I was I was really happy about that deal because I got Lamar Jackson two picks later after after Matt took Justin Fields. So um I think it's it's a selection where Justin Fields is definitely more of um a guy that you're counting on to make that next leap this season with those weapons with DJ Moore coming into the picture. So um you're definitely counting on that uh, next step progression and the Bears offense 
growing with Justin Fields' skill set. Um, Lamar Jackson, I think, would if I was in your spot at the 1.06, I would have it would have been a tough time for me to pass up Lamar or Trevor Lawrence for Fields because both of those guys have um, proven that they can pass the ball at an elite level at the NFL level that Justin Fields has yet to show. I think so you're definitely counting on that next step to come from fields, but it's a gamble that at this time next year, we could very well be saying, yeah, that, that makes sense. Justin Fields is performing at the level that Lamar Jackson performed it, um, it back in 2019, 2020, maybe not the MVP level yet, but his ceiling is definitely that Lamar Jackson um, fantasy top three QB um, finish. Before I go into my defense, Seth, do you have any comments? Yeah, I liked it, dude. I'm and I'm not just. I mean, a lot of people are going to com- accuse me of being a Bears homer, but I think Justin Fields did some really exciting things last season. I mean, a lot of people poo-poo his accuracy, but when you dive into the numbers, number four in red zone accuracy rating last year, number sixteen in deep ball accuracy rating. He, he was number twenty in accuracy rating under pressure, number twelve in completion percentage versus zone. So you're thinking, okay, well, if he's good or at least decent or average slightly below average and under pressure rating then how come he was his numbers were so terrible in completion percentage and the answer is he was number 32 in completion percentage versus man coverage it's like okay well why was he terrible in completing passes in man coverage uh maybe because he was throwing the ball to dante pettis i don't know like you know and not getting any time to throw from his offensive line i think that those are two factors uh, to consider so With Fields, though, I mean, there's no question you're getting a QB1 upside. Like, this guy has the potential to finish as the QB1 in fantasy football overall. I don't know if you could say that about Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence, I guess it's possible, but it's just going to be tough to get there because he doesn't run as much as we would like. Um, Also, when we we look at Fields' numbers, I I was looking at it, and I I don't understand why we're not going, oh, my God, he kind of broke out last year because – he finished as the number five quarterback in fantasy points per game, quarterback six overall. Uh, starting in week six, he put up eight straight weeks of being a top eight quarterback. Now, there were a few weeks in there where he was hurt, but I, I think this is a classic case where the narrative doesn't match reality uh, because I think most people would agree that Lawrence is a better quarterback, and I just don't know if that's true. And then the other choice would be Lamar, Lamar Jackson, and if you look at Lamar Jackson, I mean, he had to overcome a lot of the same narratives and his, I mean, his stat line or his career stats, you look at the seasons he's had, it's littered with 300 plus pass attempt season, just like the one Fields had. But, you know, he's finished as the QB1, the QB8, the QB7, the QB6 and fantasy points per game. And I, I feel like Fields could do something very similar. So I, not just because I'm a Bears fan, I'm looking at the numbers. I like this pick for the upside. Yeah, exactly. We saw Fields get more comfortable, not just with the new system in year two in the NFL, but just the game in general. You saw it slow down. You saw his ability to find the open hole. And do you think defenses are going to let him run for 70-yard touchdowns every other week again next year? No. And the more attention that needs to be focused on the rushing is going to open up more lanes for passing. Exactly, exactly. They made that look, and I'm not trying to make these direct comparisons to Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, but look what happened when the Bills traded for Diggs and when the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. And I'm not even putting D.J. Moore on that same level, but the fact of the matter is these quarterbacks still need somebody to throw to. I think we we get some weird bars that are set with guys like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes who can just make everything happen by themselves. You know, very few quarterbacks are like that. And so I, I, what really swayed my decision here, and I'm going to do some uh, rookie resumes. These are two rookie quarterbacks. All right, I'm going to name out six different stats here. Accuracy rating, and it's going to be tough to follow, but just, just for the bit, just hold on. Accuracy rating, quarterback A, 7.3, number 28. Quarterback B, 6.7, number 33. So quarterback A wins out there. Adjusted yards per attempt, 4.9 for player A, number 31. 5.1 for B, number 28. True completion percentage, 66.2, number 32, 62.8, number 33. You can see how tight these numbers are as we go along. True passer rating, 54.4, number 33, 58.2, number 31. 
deep ball catchable pass rate, 52.6%, number 22, 59.6%, number 13, pressured catchable pass rate, 49.7%, number 32, 62.2%, number 13. So to summarize, player B and player A, very close in a lot of these accuracy and and situation-specific metrics, but player B outranked player A in quite a few of them. Player B is Justin Fields, and player A is Trevor Lawrence. So we have two quarterbacks who not only posted very similar metrics as passers in college, but did it again in their rookie season. And Trevor Lawrence is, is a more you know, prolific passer, and, and he was quicker to take that, that step in the NFL. But I don't think Justin Fields is getting enough credit for what he's gone through and what he's progressed through. And I think there are a lot more similarities to these elite assets that Fields has shown. And Fields already has a top five season on his resume, and it was more recent than any of Lamar Jackson's dominant seasons. And with Trevor Lawrence, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league next last season. They either have to you either have to rely on a massive uptick in efficiency or an uptick in passing production. And both of those are tough to bet on. A, when you're already a high volume passing offense, and B, just betting on efficiency to uptick in general. So when you have that explosiveness, that game game breaking joystick aspect that Justin Fields provides when he's on the field, I'm willing to take that shot in Dynasty. Yeah, and there's there's like you said, there's a lot of more upside. I mean, the Bears are likely going to be bottom third, bottom half mm-hmm. for sure in the league in pass attempts. But Fields' rushing ability, I know he's probably not going to run as much as he did last year, but that combination, I think, of adding a DJ Moore, of improving the offensive line is going to make all the world for a young, it's going to make the world of difference for a young quarterback. Uh, so I I think there's just a lot more upside with Fields, and he's they're about the same age, and I I don't know like I, I that's that's how I feel we we have also we have a Maddie Kiwum uh, over here just trading up galore I mean just trading 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 so this is probably uh, the start that you look at and you go oh my gosh like he's killing it Jefferson St Brown Mark Andrews and Kelsey and he trades up to get both Kelsey and Andrews in a two points per tight end premium. So Aditya, what do we make of this move from from one Maddie Kiwum? Yeah, I had that 3.5 behind his 3.4. So when he was on the clock for that pick, and then he sent me a trade offer for the 3.5, and we countered a bit and uh, agreed on a on a deal. But when he sent me that trade offer, I knew he was going to take Kelsey at the 3.4, and he had someone else in mind at the 3.5. And the way the board was falling, I figured. And Kelsey is really the only guy that I'm really confident there. I'll make that deal. But I did not think he would go with Mark Andrews at that 3.5 spot. I thought he might go wide receiver or quarterback. But the way that he's building his team out, he's dominating the receiving uh, units there with two top seven, top eight dynasty wide receivers and the two top two top two dynasty tight ends as well. And he added Kirk Cousins in there at the end also. So um, he might not have the quarterback builds that some of the other teams might have, but those wide receivers and tight ends are definitely going to dominate. And since it's a one tight end, but flex league with a super flex also, um, by taking Mark Andrews, he's basically saying this player is more valuable than another wide receiver I could put in at that flex spot or another running back I can take and insert into my lineup. So at that po- at that point, he's planting his flag at Mark Andrews being better than any of those other skill position players. And I think in a tight end premium league, that's an upside gamble that you can afford to take. And he's definitely built his team out in a vision that um, the receivers and the tight ends are definitely going to dominate for him. This is a really interesting build and one I really like because you can see clearly that he's built for win now, but he has two alpha cornerstone receivers in Jefferson and St. Brown. And he has a tight end in Andrews that can slot in as his number one if Kelsey were to take a very steep decline after this season or this season. And then Andrews, we can predict maybe two to three more seasons, you know, until he's he's about 30 years old and, and then we can start worrying for the fall off. So he's set at tight end for the next three to four seasons. And that's a tight, that's a position that's very easy to replace. So most of these drafters are going to be waiting, waiting into the later rounds to, to draft tight end anyway. So he's went all in 
on a position that's twice as more valuable per reception than anyone else in the league and is easy to replace and still has like a cornerstone that he can swap in for Kelsey. It's, if I may say, I think it's beautiful. I'm looking at what he's doing and, and I love his setup so far, especially because he has these two fifths coming back around. And so I think Cousins as a win now quarterback is pretty undervalued right now with this startup. Um, normally some team would have likely selected him a little bit earlier, but he's able to get a solid QB two and a running back one. If he, if he chooses to with the way the board is looking right now, and he can comfortably exit the first five rounds with two quarterbacks, two tight ends, two receivers, and his RB one, which is not something you can generally say in a startup. Now his future has been leveraged. So he's, he's got to do this right, but you know, through the first four and a half or through the first three or so rounds, I, I love what Matty Keewum is building right now. Oh, I, I do too, man. I, I think Matty's a really sharp player and I think he opts. I mean, he talks about it on the game plan. I mean, he, he opts for more win now strategy and you look at the, you, it's hard to argue with the process here. I, I know he's had to give up his first round pick and he does, he, after his two picks in the fifth round, he won't pick again until the eighth round, but when you see what he's going to, you know, those what one, seven players he's going to wind up with, that's going to be a, a, you know, those players are going to be probably better than just about any other seven players that anybody else has. So right, right away, right off the jump, uh, he's he has an advantage at tight end and at wide receiver that not a lot of people have. So again, and he's young at receiver too. And I think Cousins has, again, we talk about it in two or three year windows. Cousins has it, it, about two to three years probably of, of good production left, and he's the very model of a boring, consistent fantasy football quarterback is, is Kirk Cousins. So I like it. If you got, if you want to see what I did here, crazy Seth, there I am. So I got London, Hawkinson, a pick coming up in the fifth round, a couple eighth rounders, a sixth rounder, but I do have four 2024 first round picks. So I am – doing the uh the the productive struggle it's it's one of my more uh favorite strategies to do or as alan Sislowski likes to call it the win never strategy so anyway um so moving along uh what do you do uh when multiple teams like me or like maddie are trading up or trading down or, or in maddie's case taking win now stances so uh, are you forced to go into a productive struggle when a lot of teams are trading up or do you stay the course and just draft your team at DT? Talk to us about your thoughts on dynasty startup strategy. Yeah. If you're seeing a lot of picks flying around and all that, I would say don't despair, stay the course and be confident in the strategy that you went into your draft with because the season doesn't start in June, July, whenever you're having your dynasty startups. A lot can change with player situations. Uh, your league mates might be doing some more trading before the season starts as well. So you might have to adapt some uh, small parts of your teams. Like you might get sniped on a couple players that you were hoping to get in certain ADP ranges. So always uh, make sure you know what players you want to target in your rounds and what ranges they're going before you head into your draft. So you're not caught uh, like a deer in headlights. Um, but stay the course and uh, make those small adjustments, but uh, don't panic and just keep going forward with what you want to do with your team because the primary thing is season starts in September. So you have plenty of time to observe what's happening to these players, training camp injuries, things like that that are happening. So, um, And there's a good chance that you've already made a pick or two in the draft before you start seeing, oh, this team is definitely gearing up to be win now, or this team is definitely selling off their assets now. So you've already taken a stance on your franchise cornerstone at least. So definitely keep going what path you have and then make those adjustments as you, as you see fit when the season starts to get underway. Yeah. My thoughts pretty much exactly there. So pretty much the headline of stay the course is, is exactly my thoughts on the matter. So I was going for more of a, a neutral strategy. I wanted to see how the first few rounds shook out to, to de determine whether or not I kind of wanted to go more towards win now, or as you can see, I'm kind of building a 
a youthful core that has a lot of promise and upside. Um, as you can tell from my build, I am a player who is less risk averse than others. In fact, I, I am almost a risk addict, but I am working on that. My therapist and I are making some strides there. Um, but essentially I thought the same, I had the thought go through my head when all of these teams started uh, you know, abandoning ship in 2024 and selling all these picks to try and go win now and get these two cornerstone quarterbacks. And I came to the conclusion that I, the reactionary decision to abandon one process and go one way or the other upon seeing that is something that I feel like I would have done a few years ago. And that just, you know, feels like a mistake. You came in with, with a, with a mindset on what you wanted to do in your range of picks and then if you start getting worried about what people on the opposite ends of the board start doing, then it can really, it can really mess with you. So the one thing I used and am using right now to leverage throughout my draft is the player profile of dynasty rankings. So the really cool thing about that is we have uh, dynasty rankings from the three different strategies, right? Neutral, win now and rebuild. And so I made kind of an aggregate data set where I was able to see the differences between win now neutral and, and re or yeah, win now neutral and rebuild ranks all in a row very quickly. And so I started to find players that were hovering in the same tiers in all three so that as long as I wasn't giving up too much value by moving away from a certain player or dropping down, you know, maybe a couple of players or two in the rankings, you know, DK taking a guy like DK Metcalf over Stefan Diggs because of his age and his upside in that Seattle offense uh, taking a guy like Kyle or Murray who can be a long-term asset, but can also help in the short term. So um, yeah, that's my long winded way of saying, just stay the course and, and just trust in the plan that you came in with. And if you have to pivot, pivot, but make sure it's not a reactionary move. Yeah. I think especially in a startup like this, where, you know, there's all sorts of different types of startups and like there's auction startups and this is, you know, a pick, you know, basically a snake draft with a third round reversal. So I would say just be water, you know, be flexible. I don't necessarily come into it with a specific strategy in mind. Like if you would have told me, Hey Seth, what are you going to do before this draft? Or are you going to trade for three 2024 first round picks? I would have said, no, I don't probably not. I don't know. Like we'll see what happens, but that trade, you know, somebody approached me saying, you know, I put the one twelve on the block. It just that's what I do in every startup draft is I just put my first round pick on the block. And a lot of times we can't work out a deal. In this case, we were able to. And then that kind of put me on this path to to be this productive struggle team in a in a league where, I, let's face it, you know, the guy that traded up with me is telling me that he's a win now team. Maddie's telling me he's a win now team. I think there's another guy who maybe that that was the only two Aditi I think traded up as well, but Aditi has kind of been moving up and up and down the board. So all these teams that trade up with me are kind of telling me eh, they're they're win now teams, you know, or they're going for it. So that makes my team a little bit unique and my strategy a little bit unique. So that's kind of what I try to do is I try to find the value and I try to find uh, try to extract the most I can from it uh, when I'm doing a, a startup. So. The goal is to uh, pro is to produce a super team or to try to get a super team. And in my opinion, uh, the best way to do that is with the productive struggle. I know that's probably not a, a popular opinion, but I think there's balance to whatever strategy you do. Like, I don't think it's optimal for me to just trade everything to get seven or eight startup picks next year or rookie picks rather. Sorry. So I think four or five is the perfect number. And then you do that with the, in the productive struggle, trying to get these cornerstone players like a Drake London, like a guy in a TJ Hawkinson players that you can, you know, you're figuring out some pieces of the puzzle initially when you're going about a pr productive struggle. So there aren't just empty roster, like, you know, just question marks all over your roster. Like you do want some of the, you know, the, the puzzle figured out. So I think balance is key no matter what you do. Having an eye on the future, having a, like don't go too win now either because it's a harsh reality when uh, you realize all of your players are 30 years old. So I, I think balance is key uh, with that. So chat, let us know who you had the who think who you think had the best star out of the three of us. Yeah, and I'll I'll highlight those again real quick. I I didn't highlight Adetias, but Adetias started. 
uh, Lamar Bijan, Stefan Diggs. I like the Lamar Bijan start. Matt Babbage, Justin Fields, Brees Hall, DK, Kyler Murray. I you got Kyler Murray at a pretty good value. late. Yeah, late. He Incredible might, discount on Kyler. He might actually play this year too. We'll, we'll see. I mean, and then According me. To my sources. He's gonna play. Yeah. So. And then me, you know, I, I trade back city here. Uh, Drake London and Hawkinson are the only two players on my roster currently. So, again, this is a super flex, uh, two points per tight end premium. Uh, Cody Carpentier is in this league, too. That's his. He started three wide receivers with Wilson, A.J. Brown, um, JSN. So then we've already talked about Maddie Kiwum. Uh, Emerson, Beery, another good analyst with uh, Player Profiler has uh, started Hertz, Taylor, um, Devonta Smith, Ken Walker, and Dak Prescott. Pretty good start there. And then we Solid got a discount on Ken Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ken, Ken Walker's gone way too late, in my opinion. Um, I, I completely agree there. So fun, a really fun draft. Really, We have some really good people in here, and, and maybe we have some of you in the chat. So, yeah, let us know out of the three of us, Aditya, Seth, Matt, who had the best start in this uh in this startup here it's been a, it's been a blast so far yeah yeah absolutely actively trading a ton can't ask for much more mm-hmm. that's right that's right um so i believe uh it's time for the informative segment so stick with us uh through the informative segment with the podfather and since this is a, a dynasty show we are going to uh have a a dynasty themed informative segment of course that assumes that i can find the Dynasty Dominator promo. And here it is. This is an informative segment from the Podfather, but stay tuned. We have much more Dynasty content around the corner. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool and beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win-now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side-by-side. Side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's 5 bucks in the App Store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing, and it's going to be well worth it. <laughs> Go ahead and get that Dynasty Dominator app. I use it before I make any trade, you know, I just to make sure, you know, just to plug it in there real quick. It's a great tool. Also, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central Time, don't miss Trade Gods, where they break down some of these Dynasty trades. I don't know if they're breaking down my trades. I don't know if they're doing this behind my back or not, kind of uh, breaking down my crazy trades on their show or not, but they very well could be, so they, they'll tell you what they think. Of, of dynasty trades and you can send their trade your trades in to the discord channel and they will evaluate your trade so tune into that show send them your, their trade via the player profiler discord which is the links in the description so go do all that and we have uh, a question situational awareness matt babich what situations in fa- fantasy football you know we've, we've got some interesting discussion around this don't we Yep. So we've done this segment now three weeks straight. We broke down the situations starting with running backs and then into wide receivers. We take three members of a positional group that are going right next to each other per FFPC Dynasty ADP. And we break down the situation of these players and we talk about whether or not we're buying or selling that player at their current value. So Aditya, why don't you kick us off with breaking down Greg Dulcich? Yeah, Greg Dulcich on the Broncos. He enters year two with Russell Wilson in the first year with Sean Payton. Um, last season, Dulcich was number three among tight ends in average depth of target, and he was also number five in route participation. So he right away got a lot of usage and some of those deep targets as well for Denver. Um, Russell Wilson was, of course, not his usual self. He wasn't 
he wasn't a dynasty QB that you really wanted to roster last season, but this season going into it with Sean Payton year two in the Denver um, on, on the Broncos. And I think Greg Dulcich will be one of those weapons that Russell Wilson uh, utilizes yet again. Um, the other weapons that Denver has uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, and they just got Marvin Mims, I believe in the draft. So they have uh, a lot of really good weapons, but they haven't been utilized in the the best way that we would like to see as fantasy football uh, players. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Denver plays out their wide receiver group, but for their tight end, Greg Dulcich, um, he got a lot of usage last season, and I think that'll continue into this season with better efficiency numbers year two in that offense with Russell Wilson and uh, Sean Payton at the helm. Yeah, I think this offense is one that I'm going to be, you know, buying in on because I, I, I honestly, I don't know if it can get much worse than it was last year with the Nathaniel Hackett experience. So I think yeah, while Nathaniel Hackett is not all the way to blame for what happened, I think Russell Wilson played pretty bad too. Uh, if there's anybody who can sort of resurrect this offense, I'd bet that Sean Payton could do that. And there's a lot of good pieces of this offense. Dulcich is one of those pieces that DTAU mentioned, the ADOT. I mean, he was number three in deep targets too. And this is a player who can separate. And at the tight end position, we are looking for players that profile like these three players and Greg Dulcich. It's funny when you look at him compared to Chigakonku, I think Chigakonku and him are the same size, except for Chig's a couple inches shorter. And I think uh, Peyton has has talked up Dulcich in camp. So, I mean, we don't want to put too much on that. But some more metrics here for you. First of all, we love the profile. Number seven in unrealized air yards. So there's some meat on the bone there, too. Number 11 in air yards last season. And I mentioned he can separate. Number seven in target separation. And he had a few weeks where he was – you know, top five tight end in fantasy football. So Dulcich is a player in, in an offense that should be better that I think dynasty gamers should be targeting in trades uh, in the off season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is an offense that fantasy PTSD is a real thing. And, and, you yeah. know, no, you know, I know when we can say that, you know, that's obviously real PTSD is much more serious, but in fantasy football, we tend to push away the the people that that have upset us over past seasons it's why you're going to see a lot of people not draft dj Moore. it's why you're going to see a lot of people not draft corlin sutton or greg dulcich or russell wilson and these are the kind of dips that you want to buy on because how much worse can it really be so if you're buying that value you're probably buying at a relatively efficient cost either way and so it's very easy to require acquire a lot of these non-elite tight ends in dynasty and if you can grab a guy like Dulcich who has the athletic profile, he has the year one production that typically doesn't happen with rookies. He had a 17% target share as a rookie in this offense. The only question mark around Dulcich for me is that if Alberto does take a step forward with this fresh start under a new organization, that's a competition for red zone targets, which Dulcich was already not great at getting. So if he's going to be a big play threat that's reliant on the deep ball, then that could spell trouble for Dulcich. So right now, I, I'm more holding on his current value. I'm more likely to buy than I am to sell. But where he's at right now, he is, you know, he's getting the hype. So so right now his value is a little tricky, but I'm leaning towards buy. Um, another, you know, Seth mentioned another tight end, another former rookie, a sophomore now. Uh, Adia, why don't you break down uh, Chickaconquo for us? Oh, you're, you're muted. muted. You're, you're muted. Yeah, Aconqua uh, was one of those guys on the Titans that um, a lot of people might not have had on their radar to begin the season. But towards the end of the season, he was putting up numbers that aren't really blowing you away. But at the tight end position, you're taking those numbers. Um, and last season, he had the number two target rate and the number one yards per reception among tight ends. So he got a lot of utility in that Tennessee offense that doesn't really have a whole lot of pass catchers to write home about. They have Burks and Robert Woods. And outside of that, you, you don't really have confidence in anybody else. Um, at the quarterback position, maybe they start off with Ryan Tannehill, see how that situation plays out with Will Levis or even Malik Willis. But uh, Conquo is a guy that he's highly athletic as well. 
and he got that usage last season. And for dynasty leagues, um, you want to target those guys that have that early usage and also have the profile, the build to continue to get that kind of usage uh, going forward. So Okonkwo is definitely a guy that, uh, like Dulcich, you probably like at cost. But if he gets any higher, maybe you start to fade off of him a little bit. But where he's going right now, he's definitely a guy that you probably want to target. Yeah, this is where the redraft streets and the dynasty streets kind of mix and intermesh a little bit because the uh, the redraft streets are very high on Chigakonkwo. And so that puts an alarm bell in my head to think, oh, then he's probably at cost, which I he's not super expensive right now. If he has a year like some people think he can have, then he's going to likely be more valuable this time next year than he is right now. So it's a, you know, it's a bet that you're making, but it's a bet that I'm, I'm willing to make with Chigakonko. And it's a bet that I have made on an infamous trade that we will not bring up right now, but that we've discussed at length. If you want to go, you know, find that you can look at my, my Twitter, or you can look at the last episode. Uh, But I've made this bet on Chigakonko. And there's a lot to like here. I mean, he was number one amongst tight ends and yards per route run. Now, granted, that's only 138 routes he ran, which was number 53 amongst tight ends, but number one in yards per route run. And he can separate a little bit too. I mean, number 16 amongst tight ends, the target separation. So he's getting open and this offense is going to have a ton of volume available. So he's likely going to be the number two at worst, the number three option. I mean, He's fighting for targets with, uh, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akinia. So I like his chances there of being the number two option in Tennessee, right along, right alongside Traylon Burks. So, and he's young, you know, he's a really young tight end. So these are the kind of bets I like to make at the tight end position. That's a super random volatile position at times. So I just like making these kinds of bets and Chig's one of my guys for sure. Yeah, the stars really are all all are aligning. <laughs> the stars are all aligning this, for him this <laughs> season. You have relatively zero target competition to slightly edit what was said before. Robert Woods is actually on the Houston Texans, so that's even less targets to yeah. compete with. That's a quiet yeah. sign. You can't blame anyone for not knowing where Robert Woods is playing football these yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I myself didn't even realize it until I was looking up target competition for Dalton Schultz like a week and a half ago. So that would slip past me too. But he's he's young. He's hyper-athletic. He's, he's proven that he has the skill and he has all the targets available to him. When he was on the field, he was earning routes, earning targets at a high rate, 33% target rate. Now, the only question is, is he going to be a good enough blocker in this scheme to continue to see the field more in these passing situations? I think so. The tight end is the the stiffest learning curve that there is, and it's going to take a little bit of time for him to be trusted, especially with how reliable of a pass blocker Austin Hooper is. But that will come with time. He has another offseason to get that stuff under his belt. And the Titans simply won't be able to deny his his receiving ability as they're going to be down a lot of points in a lot of games. So there's a lot of targets coming to Chigakonko's way. I am buying at his current price. Thirdly, someone we may not feel the same about. This is not a young athletic tight end, but it is an athletic tight end. Aditya, what do we feel about Evan Ingram? Yeah, Evan Ingram entering a second year with the Jaguars. Um, he's, he's a guy that like the other two uh, tight ends that we discussed, he's highly athletic and he's been regarded as a guy that you want to target in leagues back when his career was just starting out. Um, last season, you might have gotten tired of trying to target him, but he surprised people last season and he ended up being a serviceable tight end for fantasy on the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, this season he is entering competition with Calvin Ridley for targets um, in that offense. And Evan Ingram played a lot out of the slot last season. So you have to start to wonder now that Calvin Ridley's back, he'll be playing on the outside. Does that mean more for Christian Kirk in the slot and pushing Evan Ingram out of some of those snaps? So a lot of it is going to hinge on how the Jaguars utilize their uh, wide receiver assets with Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk. Um, he's a guy that at his cost right now that 
uh, maybe I'm looking at it and I'm thinking maybe I'd rather wait for a guy like Chiga Conquo um, that's going just a little bit after him. If his value falls, then he's a guy that I might be targeting a little bit more. But currently for Dynasty, he's about to turn 29 years old. You don't know how much more production you're going to get out of him, especially at this tight end position where you don't really see uh, a whole lot of tight ends go and contribute in the long game. You only see those top guys like Kelsey, Andrews, and Kittle. So um, Evan Ingram, he's a guy that you should have on your radar, but at his current cost right now, I'd be a little bit hesitant to pull the trigger on drafting him. See, now you like, I'm, I'm a little surprised uh, to be honest, because like, and I was surprised when I looked this up on keep trade cut. So my favorite place to go is keep trade cut to find all the fantasy values and whatever. Uh, I was fully expecting to be out on Evan Ingram, just kind of like Aditya is more on the side of sell than buy with Evan Ingram. But Evan Ingram is tight end 15 on keep trade cut. He's ranked behind Dulcich and Chigakonkwo. I mean, Dulcich tight end 11, Chig tight end 12. And I'm thinking at that price, I'm, I, I know there's a lot of uh, target competition in, in Jacksonville, and that's scary. I, I agree. He, But if you look at Evan Ingram, his, his resume is pretty impressive. I mean, as a rookie, tight end four in fantasy points per game. Then he had back-to-back-to-back seasons in 2017, 2018, 2019. Top seven finishes in fantasy points per game amongst tight ends. He had a couple stinker years in there, 2020, 2021. Tight end 18 and 23. I mean, not really even worth playing those two years. But then a bounce back last year with Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be so interesting to see how he's used now that Calvin Ridley is back, but I, I suspect that Calvin Ridley is going to need some time to adjust back to the NFL. Cause it's been about a year and a half since he's played football, you know, like he didn't play all of that last year that he played in, uh, in Atlanta. So I'm actually in on Evan Ingram because his profile's breathtaking. It's just off the charts finished number five in targets, not quite a hundred targets, but 98, um, number eight in air yards, Number number eight in unrealized air yards, so there's a little meat left on the bone there. Number two amongst tight ends in yards after the catch. Number 10 in target separation. Number nine in yards per route run. I think there's just a lot to like here in an offense that I w- I'm going to want some pieces of. I'm going to want to bet on some of these pieces in, uh, in Jacksonville. And actually, out of all three of these tight ends, I think Evan Ingram at his price, according to Keep Trade Cuz, probably the tight end I'm most interested in out of the three. Yep. So Evan Ingram is, is an interesting dichotomy with Evan Ingram because if you are not in your window for win now, then you have no interest in him. He's simply he's on the other other side of the AJ packs, and he's not in a situation that's improving, and he has stiff competition for targets. So these are none of the factors you want in in a long term dynasty asset. Now, if you're in win now, like Seth said, his value is tight end fifteen, just coming off of a tight end seven season. I'm much more interested in this price if I'm tight end needy and a win now team. So my, my, my biggest issue with Evan Ingram is how often is he going to play in three receiver sets? How often is he going to get that slot role yeah. that he was getting last year with, with guys like with Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley isn't necessarily a slot man, but he can play the slot and he will switch in and run some routes from there. And Christian Kirk, we know is their bona fide slot receiver. So if, Evan Ingram is going to lose slot targets, then that's going to be the biggest deterrent for me. I don't think his target share is going to take a massive hit. Anything he he finished 17% last year, anything sub 15% doesn't seem very realistic to me, given what he gave to this passing offense. He only had four touchdowns. So this is a passing offense that while most people remember it being effective, because of what Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and Trevor Lawrence all did for fantasy purposes, but they only had 25 passing touchdowns as a team, or at least from Trevor Lawrence. So we're bound to see a slight uptick in in passing touchdowns, which means Evan Ingram is probably going to finish with, you know, closer to six or seven. And if he's seeing a similar role, as long as he's not completely phased out of the slot game, then I think he's a buy right now for, for most situations. You know, again, if you're, if you're a team that's rebuilding now is the perfect time to sell Evan Ingram. Cause he hasn't signed anything and he has kind of threatened 
pulled out, which I don't think it's going to come to, but there is still some ambigu- ambiguity there that you can capitalize on. Yeah, I think that's the scariest part because he was number one amongst tight ends and slot snaps last year at a 37% rate. He had 300 slot snaps last year. And it just, I wish we knew the answer to how Jacksonville was going to employ, deploy their wide receivers, you know, their pass catchers. But that offense is going to be pretty good. So I, it's, it's a, I think it's a bet worth making. He's, he's only 28 years old, guys. I mean, I know that's, old to some people but for tight ends eh, it's, it might not be that big of a deal i don't know tight end might be one of the more physically demanding positions because you have to stay yeah. in line and block and you have to get crushed by linebackers over the middle yeah but he's in the slot all the time he's not he's not blocking but maybe this year he will be i don't know maybe but Fair i like point either way anyway uh so, so for the first week for the first week, we have enough time to do this or that with with some actual context behind our picks. Dude, so like we're, the timing of this show is like we're cruising, we're, man. I feel like we've got so much time at the end. It's amazing. We're on it today, so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna take two two players in the same positional group that are going right next to each other in dynasty drafts, and we're gonna say, you know, if you're on the clock, who are you gonna take this player or that player? So we'll start with the Ditya. First option is Kyler Murray or C.J. Stroud. I got to give the edge to CJ Stroud here. And the reason being, because if you're on the clock in a dynasty league, um, you're looking at Kyler Murray. How much is he going to play this season? I know that's a big thing. Is he going to play at all? I think he does play, but he's going to miss some time and regardless. And he's going to take some time to get situated back in. Add in the fact that Arizona's offensive buildup, they don't really look like they know if they want to be a win now team or a rebuilding team, they have James Conner there, but they also don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. How is that offense going to move forward? So there's questions within how that offense is going to operate as well. And Kyler Murray will ease back into where this immediate season that you're drafting for, um, you might not get the full Kyler Murray experience that you want to get versus CJ Stroud. You know, he's been drafted to be, that franchise cornerstone. So he's going to get at least a couple of years to have the reins to that offense. And it seems like Houston wants to build around him and give him the weapons to succeed. So I think I'm giving the edge to CJ Stroud here just because of the uncertainty surrounding Kyler Murray, not only injury wise, but his role in that offense. Do they want to rebuild? Do they want to keep going uh, with Murray at QB? How are they going to handle that? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it all depends on what you want to do, right? Like, I think it depends on what kind of player you are. If you're, if you're more of a risky guy, then Kyler Murray's probably your man. But if you want a safer pick, you know, we pretty much know what CJ Stroud's going to be. Uh, he's going to, he's going to get this, he's going to be the starter for the next two to three seasons. He's probably going to be okay. He's not going to run a ton, but you know, you know where I'm going. You know which answer I'm giving. I'm the ultimate gambler here. This is what I do, and I'm taking Kyler Murray because uh, if we only knew, I, w- I wish we had the magical answer to see how much Kyler Murray was going to play this season uh, because if you could tell me he's going to play 10 games half the season, I think this would be a no-brainer. Uh, his lowest fan- finish in fantasy points per game was his rookie season. He finishes the QB 11. And the naysayers are going to point out, well, he's not big enough. Like, but he makes up for his lack of size. Unlike somebody like Bryce Young, like Kyler Murray's an elite mobile quarterback. And, and, and he's going to have a new coaching staff. So he's not going to be stuck with, uh, you know, what's his face? I can't even think of his name. Uh, the, the very handsome man with the nice house. Cliff uh, Kingsbury, the man from know. Thailand. The Cliff Kingsbury, yes, the, the man from Thailand. Is he still living in Thailand? Is this where he lives now, or did he come back? Didn't I, I could be way wrong, but I thought he already had a co- like signed a contract to come back to college, like less than uh, a month right. after that happened. I, I might be wrong. But, I, I, no idea. I, yeah, I think you're right, but yeah, he lived. He moved to Thailand for a while. Um, so I like I like the new coaching staff. I I would make a bet that that's probably a better thing for Kyler Murray. Now I don't know if it's like I said. I don't know if it's going to be this year. But I also don't I, – I would expect C.J. Stroud to struggle a little bit with the Texans. He doesn't really have what you would call an elite wide receiver. I know they have t- they added Tank Dell. They have Nico Collins. They, they added Robert Woods. But 
nobody that you would really say, oh, that's that's somebody who's really going to help him. And I know Murray is good for fantasy, at least. And even if the Cardinals decide to move on from Murray, I find it hard to believe that he would just fall out of the league. You know, I think he's too talented of a player because he's not just mobile. He's he's accurate. I mean, Murray ranked number two in accuracy rating and number two in true completion percentage when he played last year. And he ranked top six in accuracy versus man in zone. I mean, he's a good quarterback. I think I think there's just a negative perception of Murray because of his size. You know, I think he's I don't know if you quite put him in that Tua Tagovailoa can't stay healthy conversation. I think Tua is on a whole different level with that. I mean, we all hope he stays healthy, obviously, but I think there's some there's some bias there for sure. And I think when you're comparing him to a guy like Stroud, you know, Stroud is likely going to struggle and he only had 136 rushing yards in college. So I think I'm going to go for upside, if not 100% of the time, 95% of the time. And the upside, I believe, is with Kyler Murray, who's still a young player. Yeah, we're getting an incredible discount on a guy who won't even be or will be just barely 27 years old by the time he starts next season. So my main thesis behind choosing Kyler Murray here is that Kyler has zero seasons under 20 fantasy points per game in the last three seasons. And CJ Stroud has zero seasons in the NFL. (laughs) One is a proven commodity with rushing upside. Yes, that will probably take a full year before that rushing upside fully comes back to fruition. But buying the dip on Kyler Murray right now seems like the sharp play. There's a lot of sharp minds out there like Theo Greminger who are pushing for this. And that kind of confirmed my, my priors there. Um, and so we, we love when priors are confirmed. So I, I'm buying Kyler Murray for, for all the reasons that Seth point out, pointed out. Murray is a good quarterback, you know, eight point you know, number two in accuracy rating last year, 75% number two true completion percentage uh, and 81% number six catchable pass rate. So he delivers a great ball. He's had some struggles with coaching, with play calling, with supporting cast. And all of those, you know, are still kind of concerns going forward. But even with those concerns, he was an effective quarterback. So Kyler Murray has answered the question. CJ Stroud has yet to do so. So I, I'm leaning towards Kyler Murray. Can you How about, quick, can, can you imagine? Like I, I want this to be a world where this happens. Can you imagine Kyler Murray in Minnesota? That'd be pretty gnarly. That'd be pretty sick, wouldn't it? Anyway, uh, we, we do have Theo. I happen to agree with this comment. Thank you uh theo yeah so he said he's saying theo's saying uh cliff is at usc that's what i thought okay yeah so Mm -hmm. anyway sorry matt go ahead no all good all good uh just gonna move on to the next player here coincidentally someone theo greminger is very high on jahan dotson going up against brandon Ayuk. adia take it away i gotta go brandon Ayuk this time and the reason behind that is one of the reasons behind that is because I have more faith in the San Francisco offense and quarterback situation than I do with Washington's because I'm not really sure what we're going to see out of Sam Howell. And we've also already seen what what's happened to Terry McLaurin with that subpar QB play where he's flirting with those wide receiver one seasons, but he hasn't quite been up to the potential that we think he can be. So I think Brandon Ayuk has more of a chance to hit that potential and keep going. Last season, Ayuk was at number 14 among receivers in route participation and number three in target separation. So he's a guy that can really separate. And um, whoever that quarterback is, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, even Sam Darnold, um, you you already know Kyle Shanahan is going to make it an offense where that quarterback succeeds. So if it's, if it's Purdy, Lance, Darnold, doesn't matter. I think Ayuk has that top two wide receiver role in uh, San Francisco next to Debo Samuel, and he'll get the usage and he has the ability to outscore Jahan Dotson, who I think is still adjusting to Washington. And with that quarterback situation, there's a good chance they'll uh, shoot for another quarterback in next year's draft or something like that. So I don't have too much faith in that situation as much as San Francisco's. Yeah, I like I like both these wide receivers. I feel like I'm John Gruden tonight. I'm just liking everybody, which is not typical Seth behavior. So sorry if you tuned into the show looking for some some hot takes from Seth. You're not really getting them tonight because I, I like a lot of these players. I like Dotson, but I like Ayuk a little bit better. I mean, he's still only 25 years old and he had a career high of 113 targets last year. And I love his profile. Uh, San Francisco clearly likes the guys who can run after the catch and Ayuk ranked 
number 17 in yards after the catch. He can separate, which is a trait I always look for in a wide receiver. Number 13 in route win rate. There's a little bit of meat on the bone. He was uh, number 36 in unrealized air yards amongst wide receivers. And then, you know, Dotson's just not there yet. I'm a little uncertain about his situation, but I'm still buying Dotson too. Uh, you know, he there really wasn't much there to, to look at in his rookie season um, other than some flashes. But I, I like Dotson. I like the player, but I'm going Ayuk. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, so for all the reasons you guys – listed Brandon Ayuk is why I would like Brandon Ayuk in the short term. If I'm a win now team trying to win now, you know, there is, we, we, we talk about the sophomore surges and I do believe Dotson is in for one of those, but Ayuk is a more secure asset on a better offense. Now Dotson being an electric playmaker and, and we watched it last season. You can argue that his high touchdown rate is bound to come down, but with increased target share that will kind of even out in terms of total touchdown numbers. The guy just makes plays all over the field. He graded incredibly well in Matt Harmon's reception perception. And he showed that you throw the ball to Jahan Dotson and he's going to come down with it. And that type of stickiness is going to be fruitful for him in this Eric B offense. Now situation isn't great right now, but situations change. They're clearly going through an entire organization reshuffle and they brought in a guy in Eric B who we've seen run these electric offenses and Dotson at 23 years old right now is going to be one of the centerpieces of, of those offense of that offense for years to come. And so we talk about a guy who has so much ceiling left to be revealed and is going to be in an offense that has some more longevity. Then I'm going to take Dotson all day, every day. If I'm anyone else than a, a right now contender in, in, in this coming season, otherwise I'd take out you. I think that you could probably, and I'm just, I think if you have Ayuk, which first I've, if you have him in your win now team, like, I mean, he's only 25 years old. So, but if you could trade it, I think you could probably make this trade right now is you could probably trade Ayuk for Dotson and like a future second. Is that something you would do, Matt? It kind of sounds like you probably would be interested in that. Yeah. Always depends on the, on the situation of the team, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a pack. That's a fair package. I think that's a fair trade on both sides i've you know i have that's just off the top of my head but i think that would be a really you know for win now versus productive struggle potentially it'd be a, a deal that would make both sides happy uh we have one more don't we yep all right so my computer battery is dying so let's see if we can get through this last one javante right. williams and jk dobbins rapid fire we go right. rapid fire semi semi rapid fire semi rapid fire all right J.K. Dobbins for this one because he's essentially Javante Williams, but a year ahead, uh, both similar injuries. Javante Williams is year one off of his injury back. Uh, we don't know when he's going to come back, whether after the first four games, six games. J.K. Dobbins entering year two after his injury. I have more faith in uh, his ability to be an asset than Javante Williams. And for running backs, I usually look at shorter term um, timelines rather than longer term because running backs have less of that longer term shelf life. Yeah, I love Dobbins. I love the efficiency you get with Dobbins. The one thing I don't like about Dobbins is he doesn't catch a ton of passes and that's something Javante Williams does do. But and maybe this time next year I'm I'm I'll change my answer just depending on how healthy Williams is, but likely he's not going to start the season and I could see this being a lost season for Javante Williams. We'll see. I mean, they did bring in some AJP Ryan uh, in that in that backfield so there's a little bit more competition whereas there's not really much competition at all for J.K. Dobbins and that offense I think is going to take a step forward this year in a division that I don't think is going to be very good defensively and they're going to be in shootouts with the Bengals you know a few games and probably Pittsburgh there'll be a shootout there too and the Browns are going to have a good offense so that division could be shootout central so I'll take I'll take J.K. Dobbins. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite route again, and I'm gonna take Javante Williams. So we hinted at this uh, earlier in, in a prior episode, but they're both hyper efficient rushing talents. They're both very explosive. They both have a major knee injury under their under their record. Like Adia mentioned, J.K. is a year ahead of Javante in that regard. But long term, Javante is you know slightly younger and a more proven pass catcher. Has a 17% target share you know, stretch of four games on his resume. I know that's not a, a full season, but he's cleared 10% in his rookie season. He was a, a 73rd percentile pass catcher uh, um, in UNC with Michael Carter in the same backfield. So 
in PPR leagues, if we're, if we're both taking, you know, hyper-efficient assets, you know, J.K. Dobbins also has Lamar Jackson competing for, for red zone carry and goal line carries, whereas Javante Williams only has Russell Wilson. So I think there, there's more fantasy-friendly touches overall for Javante Williams down the road. All right. That was a tight hour show. That was pretty good. I mean, we're a little bit over, but that was pretty solid. So kudos to you guys and, and Aditya. Aditya, what do you have to plug these days? Give us, Tell us where you're, we can find your content and everything that you would like the people to know. Yeah, so I recently came out with an article on wide receivers that are being drafted too low um, in seasonal leagues, specifically best ball and FFPC leagues. Um, it came out on playerprofiler.com backslash articles last week. And I'll have another one um, on running backs coming out soon as well. So check out that series. It'll be a lot of helpful information if you're doing your best ball redraft um, drafts around this time. And you can also follow my Twitter at ADI underscore FUL for any future content and uh, also um, things about this uh, Dynasty Roundtable League that we're uh, drafting for right now. Definitely any interesting deals that go down, um, definitely talk about those on Twitter as well. So that's where you can find me. If you can find me on my Twitter at, you know, what's on the screen for the audio listeners, it's at B-A-B-I-C-H underscore M-A-T-T one zero, Babich underscore Matt 10. You can find me there on Twitter talking about fantasy football and a bunch of other things, really just memeing Seth for, for all of his dynasty decisions. Uh, just no one's safe out here, but uh, article wise, you can check out my work on the, on the world famous draft kit. I'm going to keep plugging that just because it's such a, it's such a beautiful work of art. We have so long before redraft season's fully closed. So uh, go check that out. You know, you'll see Aditya's work. You'll see Seth's work. You'll see work from famous analysts across the fantasy networks and your favorites at Player Profiler. So go check that out. We also have the Win Your League with the Player Profiler staff series that will be continuing on. Uh, we're doing breakout tight ends. Uh, breakout quarterbacks is also coming soon, along with many, many articles down the line from myself, Seth, Seth Dewald. I almost messed that up again. <laughs> We've been working together too long for me to do that, but yeah. Seth Dewald, it's Maddie Kiewum, Jack Cavanaugh, Theo Greminger, and Jason Allwine. And uh, one more thing I have to plug, you usually see him in the chat. You're probably wondering why he hasn't made an appearance. And that's because sitting right next to me is a friend of the show, a friend of the program, a supporter, a player profiler, my biggest supporter. And that's Samuel Babb. Say hi to the people. Hey, people. Now you know what the old man hey, looks like. Hey, Sam. Man. How we doing, man? Yeah, great awesome. show. We got a Thank goal you. prediction for anybody for the season? Do I got a – well – Anything. Anything. I think that uh, John Robinson is going to lead the NFL in rushing. All right. John Robinson, rushing well, leader from the man himself. Yep. All right. Thank <laughs> you. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, wow. That's We got to see Sam's dad. That's awesome. Uh, I'll have to get my dad on the show. Maybe we'll see. He doesn't know anything about, well, he's more of a baseball guy, but, uh, anywho, uh, you gotta help us out. All right, people. I'm just, this'll be my only plug. And then we'll get out of here. You gotta go download the podcast. All right. So you gotta download the dynasty Roundtable podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you. If you're not listening to the podcast, give us a, do us a favor. It's in the description right now. The link to go download it, check it out. You can listen to it on your own time if you like what we do. And you can also find all the other Dynasty or all the other Player Profiler uh, podcasts uh, there as well. So you can go download those too if you would like. Great content. I have to plug the, the, the work of our writers. We have a new article that drops every day. So you should check out the news and article section of the Player Profiler website. You can check out a DTF Oldiori's article that dropped a few days ago. You can drop the, you can check out the, the tight end article that Matt referenced here in a few days. Great stuff. It's totally free player profiler is in my opinion. And I know I'm biased because I work here. We give away the, and I won't say give away, but they're the most free content, the most free actionable content. It, there's no better place to be than playerprofiler.com. So go check it out. Check out the player pages. And if you want to support us, sign up for the all-in package. Promo code Seth. There we go. Uh, I think that's the episode. Any any final words of wisdom for the people tonight? Um, I just got to say a bold prediction of mine. CJ Stroud finishes top 10 quarterbacks this oh, season. Nice. Okay. That's bold. That's bold. 
Do I need to say that Justin Fields is going to finish as the number one quarterback overall in fantasy football? Or I'll, I'll say that he'll finish top three. I'll say that he'll finish top three. People already know that I think that anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks, everybody. Shout out to the chat, everybody in the chat. Uh, senior football. Uh, he he was uh, he didn't think Kyler's or no, that's the wrong one. Anyway, Jared Dean, who's also, I believe, in the league. I don't with yep, us. Jay Dean. Uh, yeah, Sam Babich was in the chat. Harry Snowman was in here. So, yeah, shout out to everybody in the chat. That is all for us. Thank you so much. Go tune into the GOAT District right now and go tune into Trade Gods tomorrow at 7 p.m. For Matt Babich, Aditya Holdiore, and myself, nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>